0: Hey everyone, Lindsay Piper Loomis here and so excited for this next uh, segment with my new dear friend, Tara Rodas, uh, government whistleblower and hero in my eyes as I shared with you in my previous segment. Uh, so welcome. I'm so excited you're here.
1: Lindsay, thanks so much. It's just been an honor to get to know you, to hear about your story, to hear about your courage and just the way that you've been standing up for the children for so many years. And again, it is a true honor to be here to talk about what we know now is government-sponsored, taxpayer-funded child trafficking. So I really appreciate you highlighting this subject.
0: Absolutely. You know, this is, it's interesting. And thank you, by the way. And it's an honor to serve with you um, on our team with Little Flower Advisory Board. I know you're busy as it is. So for you to step out even more in the trenches on the front lines is is brave and bold and just so thankful for your sacrifice because it comes at a cost. So thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting that you said government-sponsored, funder, government taxpayer-funded trafficking. I went to um, the border when I was running for Congress because I wanted to know for myself what was happening. I didn't go down there for a photo op. I took a lot of footage. I went to places that people normally don't go, and I was sounding the alarm then. I was saying... These are NGOs, your taxpayer dollars, and I listed Catholic Charities, Methodist Charities, Lutheran Charities, different NGOs that were helping get not just children across and trafficking these kids and helping, but they were tagging them. They were um, helping to, um, you know, get them from point A to point B, but they were also getting terrorists across the border helping to supply them with the cartel and our government knows about it our several of the politicians know about it and people said oh that's crazy it's a conspiracy and you know they they didn't want to hear about it um and now some of them and some of them wouldn't even give me the time of day cuz the district i was running it was over 100 miles it's about 101 miles long and so some of the gop groups did not want me to speak because yeah. Heavens, heavens, if I even speak about this stuff, oh my gosh, this is so bad but now they're seeing the harsh reality of of where we are. and when I sounded the alarm here, they wouldn't listen but now people are like, okay, this is going on and there's still some people who are are not paying attention or, or believing a false narrative or spreading you know misinformation but I wanted people to hear so if you I'm just gonna say, You take over and share your story.
1: Okay. So, Linz, I wish that this wasn't true, right? And it's a shame that people didn't listen in the beginning. Mm -hmm. So what a lot of people might not know is that I blew the whistle in 2021. 2021. Although nobody saw my face until I went before Congress in 2022, I actually started blowing the whistle in June of 2021. And that was, you know, unbelievable that it's been all of this time. And then the DHS whistleblower, Aaron Stevenson, he was at DHS, the department of Homeland security. And he started blowing the whistle in February of 2021. So he saw, I know, isn't that amazing? I mean, in, in February of 2021, And it's what's really interesting is that our stories intertwine because of his bravery. So me and the federal team, we were sitting on the Pomona Fairplex. So I was deployed. So people may remember that at the beginning of 2021, the Biden administration knew they had a border crisis and they called for all federal employees from all agencies Mm -hmm. to leave their home agency and be attached to the Department of Health and Human Services. And so I'm a Spanish speaker. My husband is from El Salvador. And I thought, wow, you know, this is the opportunity to do something really humanitarian. And as a Spanish speaker, I thought, because most of the children are coming from Guatemala, that's been consistent throughout the program. And I've been to Guatemala and El Salvador and Mexico. And I thought, you know, I could be that person who greets the children when they come do puzzles play games and that's what i did when i first got there but then they needed volunteers in case management and so i said well i'm here send me right here i am i'll do whatever it is you need and it was at the end of may of 2021 that i started working in federal case management and that was along with some of the other whistleblowers so deborah white And then also one of the case managers, Myra Moreno, Uh, we were all at the Pomona Fairplex, which is in LA County. And we started to notice, because the children were in crisis, that the children didn't know who they were going to. Mm
0: -hmm. They
1: didn't know the sponsors. And the sponsors couldn't give like an ID that matched the paperwork where they said the child was going. And I'm like, well, that's weird. And I never knew one child had ever been trafficked through this program. So we have this case. It's a brother and a sister. The boy ends up going on suicide watch. I mean, he was so stressed out, and the stories didn't match, and the IDs couldn't match the paperwork. And finally, one of the case managers got them to send another ID over to us. And that was a totally different address. And I'm like, why can we not figure out where the children are going? And I said, I want to know where these kids are going. And the a lot of people don't understand within the unaccompanied children program, the case manager never sees the sponsor, not even through a video call like this. It's all through WhatsApp, phone conversations and WhatsApp. So oh my gosh. I know. Who could imagine such a system? where they're literally just calling the number that the child gave at the border that in many cases was given to the child in route. We're not searching as HHS for a nice home to put the child in. We're calling the number that the child gave to border patrol. So we're, you know, we thought that this was family reunification. That's what they said the program is. Mm -hmm. And it was just shocking to figure out as we started working through this case me and the federal team and some other case managers that this group in florida had actually sponsored at six different addresses they had sponsored over 18 children over the course of some time but from multiple sites and we were like what there something has to be something is not right with this Mm -hmm. and again no idea that one child had ever been trafficked through the program. And one of the people on the federal team, her name is Deb. She started looking online and found the Senate report from 2016, which highlights trafficking in the case on the Marion egg farm, which was from 2014.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: And I'm sitting there on the site.
0: Going. Going
1: they know that children have been trafficked through this program and they didn't tell us, they, they didn't tell us to look out for the safety of the kids. I cannot describe the level of deception that I felt that here I volunteered to, you know, with my project management skills and other things. I thought, man, I can, I can help move these kids efficiently, effectively. And to realize I was on the wrong side and I, I'll never get over that feeling, realizing that we were sending kids to people they didn't know. And then to realize that trafficking had been going on in the program. So then we started to understand what the red flags were. So for example, if a sponsor has sponsored 12 children, hmm, that's probably a red flag. If a sponsor is trying to simultaneously sponsor Multiple children at the same time, mm, probably a red flag. Mm -hmm. We had a person in Austin trying to simultaneously get four children, one from our site and three from the intake site in Pecos, Texas. Mm -hmm. I'm like, what is going on? And so by mid-July, HHS had circulated an email stating, so remember, this is July of 21 Mm -hmm. now. HHS circulates an email and says, hey, we're opening up another email and anybody who suspects trafficking send the cases there. So they knew they had a problem in July of 21. Did they stop sending kids? No, they did not. So we continue to document, document, document. We're putting the cases forward, forward, forward. And that's in August of 21. The DHS whistleblower comes forward and he says okay not only are we giving these kids to criminals but we are giving them to members of the top which is the transnational organized crime watch list so aaron stevenson who's a former marine mm-hmm. he's three towards iraq three towards afghanistan dhs intel for his career with less than two years to retirement he decides he's gonna put everything on the line and he's gonna go on camera and say that transnational organized crime members are getting the kids. So he popped up photos of 18th Street Gang, MS-13. And I'm, remember my husband's from El Salvador. So I know what these criminals do with children. They're not only known for drug trafficking and gun trafficking, They also traffic in children. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, I was like, the U.S. government, not only does HHS know that they're giving kids to criminals because there've been lots of whistleblowers through the years, but now our national security apparatus is aware. Like, shouldn't they be going to break in the doors of these transnational organized crime members who are not in the country legally who we know are involved in criminal activity oh no we're not going to do that but we are going to send them children on taxpayer dollars and that's what we did. and so i began reporting um around the site and showing the video of him coming forward and within two weeks one of our case managers found a gang related female And if anyone has seen The Sound of Freedom, what is horrifying to know, and I didn't know this at the time, that a lot of women are involved in trafficking. And this MS-13 member, she had done time in El Salvador for her crimes in MS-13. And she was here in the country working at a hotel and was sponsoring two children, one from our site and one from the Fort Bliss site that was in Texas and the more we learned about the case like she had a smuggler and the smuggler was also female and the smuggler Mm -hmm. over 22 kids in a group there were many females in the group who because the girl who was released was telling us right these stories and so I keep reporting on this MS-13 case well yeah that got me threatened with investigation midday I'm told while security and the federal field specialist who is the highest ranking HHS person on the site that I was to go into the case management room in front of my peers clean out my desk and I was going to be walked off the site and that I was under investigation so that was not a good day when they walked me off the site and took my badge for speaking the truth to try to save the kids but I wouldn't go back and do anything differently and you know, for a while, I was reporting kind of in the shadows, but I had been reporting to every organization that I could legally report to. So through all chains of federal government, through offices of inspectors general, you know, through all the legal pathways to law enforcement, to homeland security investigations, you know, to HHS office of inspector general, all these places I was reporting. Mm
0: -hmm. And then,
1: then finally, you know, when I hadn't seen that they were, I was hoping to open the paper one day or look at the news and see 23 children rescued from Houston and 18 kids rescued from Bonita Springs and 12 kids rescued from Austin. And I wasn't seeing any of that. And I didn't understand why I was still getting calls to deploy again to help the mission. So I received two calls after being walked off the site. Would I come back and help? No, they, my boss was like, yeah, no, that's not happening. But it's just interesting that they were ramping up even though they knew that there were problems and they didn't step in to put in practices that could easily save the children. And instead, <laughs> right now, as of today, Almost 400,000 children have crossed the border since 2021.
0: And that's Um, just what can be measured, right?
1: Yes. That's just in this program, the unaccompanied children. That's the children who show up at the border with nobody, just the child. Now, thousands more, hundreds of thousands more have crossed the border, just coming across the border as part of, family units, which now the administration is not DNA testing.
0: Right. Not since uh, Biden took office. Um, people kept, I want to go, I want to come back to this DNA testing. I want to go back for just a moment and let people know that what does this look like in your state? So I got a call, um, probably a month and a half, two months ago about a UAC that was, um, trafficked to an unvetted person was given to a female trafficked to alabama somehow that child left alabama and ended up in child protective services in south carolina and then that child um was gone and they the the police department said oh this is a runaway But then we said, no, the trafficker came and got, came and got her and they took her back to Alabama and, and they're, they're like, well, no, she's a runaway. I'm like, no, she's not a runaway just because if she did go willingly, it's not, it's not willingly. She knows that, you know, she's so luckily she was found. Um, You know, I pushed it through and kept pushing it to the victim's special crimes unit and said, here's all the information um, that I was given from this. You know, I didn't say the source, but this is the information. Um, and, And it was it was horrific because they're like, oh, it's a runaway. How many times are these kids classified? And I get these calls frequently. I mean, we had another child that went missing. She had 13. She had an eight month old little boy when she went missing they marked her as a runaway and her child never, her baby never had a missing persons report.
1: Oh my goodness.
0: South Carolina. And this happened, this is not just a once in a month thing. This is frequent. So going back to the DNA testing, um, you know, everyone's like, oh, there's more trafficking happening underneath Trump because he separated them and he separated them from their families. But what I saw at the border, I went twice um, and what I know to be true because I went around the time frame that you were exposing this stuff or when you spoke up, um the the children will come across with a man and a female, but they're not necessarily the parents. Correct. And because when they come across this way, then they can go through an NGO like Catholic charities. And yes. when Trump was in office, he was DNA testing them because a lot of times these children did not belong to the woman or to the man. Exactly. And so he was stopping it. And then he was trying to locate the parents on the other side and then doing a criminal investigation, not criminal investigation, excuse me, a background check on the, on the man and the, and the woman, you know, sometimes the woman can be a victim. Yes. But, um, you know, so that's why they were DNA testing. Yes. Not the narrative we heard. And now that's not happening. So now who knows on top of that 400,000, how many of those units, I mean, I've seen kids drugged with Dramamine with a whole bunch of men from Guatemala. And they're like, where's the women? Where's the wives? You know, where's the moms? And, you know, these kids are just the rape. I mean, I, you, I digress, but I'm, I'm with you a hundred percent there.
1: Yeah, I mean, and what they're doing to the children is just unspeakable. I wish I never knew the horrors that a person would do to a 20-month-old. We had a little boy who was eight years old. And the case manager, one day I, I came into the case management room. You have to picture, this is a ballroom that seats like 500 people. We had... This place, uh, one of the case managers described it as like the New York Stock Exchange. I mean, papers were flying, people were moving, kids were constantly coming in to sit down with their case managers. It was a huge ballroom with tables. Case managers on one side, the children would come in and talk to their case manager on the other to try. So the case manager would get you know some time with the child to try to get some information from them. And it was just pandemonium. And one day I came in and I noticed one of the girls, I mean, she, she was crying and I'm like, I'm like, are you okay? And she's like, Tara, I just don't understand why people would do these things to the children. And I'm like, what happened? You know, tell me. And she's, she's just crying. And, and she said, Tara, the case that I'm working on, the little boy is eight and he's in diapers because he was raped so many times in route. And I was like, what? What? And then I'm crying with her, you know, I am not ashamed to cry, to say that I've cried probably more tears over this than my entire life combined, that I, it's been just learning what somebody would do to a child and then learning that our government could easily put in controls and not, I mean, just if you're out there and you're just a basic project manager, Okay the more risk associated with the program you're working on, the more controls you need, right? Greater risk, more controls. Mm -hmm. And what happened is, is through field guidance, and anybody can go on the HHS website, you can see how many children were released into your state. You can see how many children were released into your county through this program. Mm -hmm. You can also see that HHS admits that 85,000 children are gone. 85,000, that's all they'll admit. And that's fiscal year 21 and 22. So in two years, a multi-billion dollar program, billion, I think it was five, it's around five billion a year. Mm -hmm. And with that five billion a year, they're losing one third of the kids they bring into care. So 85,000 children are gone in two years that they'll admit. And now we know it's more than that. Um, I heard from someone who's just on the border with some of, you know, there was a delegation that was just on the border. They said it's over, they they confirmed that it's over 100,000, but I haven't seen it in writing yet. So I, you know, I can only say what I have heard, but the data we do have shows 85,000 gone. So tell me what program in two years could lose 85,000 children and somebody not say, hey, maybe we need to take a look at this. Maybe we should change some of our policies. Maybe we should have background checks done. Maybe we should see who these sponsors are. Maybe we should make the sponsors show up to a location in person and prove they are who they say they are. You know, who they are. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever it's the the goal was speed over safety who could bring a child into their care who they've never seen in their whole life and then by talking to somebody on the phone say yep i think this is the person you should go to and then the next group of people the transportation people carlos ariano is one of the whistleblowers on transportation you hand them over to another company who then delivers them I think people need to understand that the traffickers view the U.S. government as their middleman, as their delivery system. Sure. And the U.S. government is spending billions of dollars on this delivery system where we intake the children from the border and then we ship them out and go send them to traffickers. So we they're dropped off by trafficker, a smuggler at the border, And then delivered to a trafficker here. And so the difference between smuggling is the movement of the person. The trafficking is, you know, the force, fraud coercion for the purposes of either labor, sex or other unspeakable things. Yeah.
0: Well, what's interesting is that, you know, at the state level, because we are, you know, a union, the states could absolutely fight back against this. And, you know, we've seen Florida is is picking up on things. And amazing that that, um, that sexual grooming law was filed. I think that was today. Um, and, you, and you've got, you know, some things moving. But it's interesting that when you talk to, like when I've talked to my attorney general, well, I haven't talked to him personally. He actually refuses to meet with me. But when I've talked to their office, and i'm bringing this stuff up and i'm trying to talk to them and talking about all the different agencies needing to coordinate and have you know what they don't want to talk to me in fact i got one of them on the on the phone and i recorded cuz god told me to record it using the word consensual in the same sentence as children and adults they they want to keep just not doing anything about it and i i just don't understand it i don't understand why these states aren't going up against what's happening with the federal government. And then I'm thinking, well, what's in it for them? Um, you know, what's, what's in it for them? What's in it for these people to stay silent? What's, you know, it's, it's all about money. Someone's getting some type of backdoor deal or money, but. Um,
1: yeah, I, and I can talk about the money in my personal experience. Because the Pomona Fairplex emergency intake site, and anybody can look this up, you can go to um, spending, um, it is usaspending.gov, and you can see where the money is spent and on what contracts it's given to. So the site that I was at was a $700 million contract for a six-month period. So the contractor was getting more than $100 million a month to move the children. Do you think that somebody who's getting a $100 million a month is going to say, gee, hmm, maybe we shouldn't be sending these kids like this? No, that's not what they're going to say. No, they're not. And Carlos Ariano was told multiple times, because he works worked for MVM, which, it, which was the transportation company, they were told, you cannot bring the children back here. Once you take them out, even though they're telling you, I don't want to go there. I don't know the person. You can't bring them back. We will give you another address if the person says, "I don't want the kid anymore." But if if that child, even if they're crying, you leave them with that person because we don't want to lose the contract. Yep. Yep. It hundreds of horrible. millions of dollars. It's yep. horrible.
0: So just to kind of, I and I I would love for you to come back, and I know we've you know we'll we'll have love to hear from everyone else, of course, on this and their stories. But um, what is something, you know, of course, this is horrific, but what, in your opinion, and I know we're on the same team together, so we're, you know, traveling the country and and sharing about what, what can be done, but what can people do right now from their yeah, home? I, yeah, I would say right now,
1: I would go to americasfuture.net, And I would look at the legal resources, which is going to show you what laws in your state protect the children. I would also look at where and when and where the summit is coming to you and make sure you get to it. Um, That's that's what I would do is I would get educated and I would watch trafficked in America It's totally free. You can go on YouTube, whether or not I like YouTube or not. But anyway, I know they're canceling lots of good people. But if you watch Trafficked in America, you will see exactly how the system worked, exactly how the children were trafficked in 2014. And that will give you some questions for your Congressman, right? You can call up your Congressman and say, "Mm, 85,000 children are gone. And we've known there's been trafficking for a decade. Mm-hmm. I, I would like for you to stop this. Stop using my taxpayer dollars to
0: traffic children. Bingo. Yeah. Well, Those are I think things. we're gonna be in Illinois the end of uh January, January twenty-sixth and twenty-seventh. So mm-hmm. even you know, we've had people show up from all across the country. So even if you're not from Illinois, you're from yeah. one of the surrounding states, come in February. I just pulled this out for my last little um recording i did hang on i'll tell you guys where we're gonna be because i i got it from um, fort worth texas that's right that's right um and then hang on hang on i've got it right here she texted me so illinois is january 26th through the 27th fort worth texas february 23rd through the 24th pennsylvania may 17th through the 18th ohio june 14th through the 15th if your state hasn't and we've been to illinois or we will have been to illinois we've been to michigan and florida we're working on several other states. So get involved. Um, we'd like, we'd love to see you. Thank you so much, Tara, for coming on today. I appreciate you so much. Thank you for your sacrifice and for speaking up. We we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Well, Linz, thank you so much. And, you know, I have to give a lot of thanks to the, all the other whistleblowers and a lot of thanks of course, to America's future. Who's really trying to highlight the plight of the children and you know, people like you who've been in this fight for years. And so together we can make a difference. And, you know, I just want your listeners to know that one voice makes a
0: difference. Let it be yours. Amen. Thank you so much. God bless everyone. Go to lindsay.co to catch all the other podcast episodes, subscribe to the newsletter and make sure you get over to americasfuture.net and subscribe there.